everybody's looking for the key to success to help them grow, to become more successful. You're not going to find it in a sales book. You're not going to find it in a marketing book, a book on competitive advantage, a book on strategy, a book on innovation. No, it's going to be an understanding how to build mental toughness, resiliency. That's what you need. That it's a set up, not a setback. Because I refuse to allow a negative circumstance to dictate my life. You think it's actually going to work out that way. (laughs) Here's the thing that you don't understand. Is that it's never going to beat me down. It's never going to defeat me. I'm never going to allow this to beat me. Because life doesn't happen to me. It happens for me. There are demons all around us. Demons in the form of fear. Anxiety, guilt, depression, sadness, bullying, learned helplessness, negativity. And if we allow these demons to control us, we will only continue to lose the battle on mental health. It's time for us to cut the crap from our lives and go on offense against these demons by building mental toughness and resiliency. That's why you're here. My name is Ryan Caligiuri, and welcome to the Cut the Crap Show. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining yours truly, Ryan Caligari, on this week's episode of the Cut the Crap Show, where every single week I'm reading a book, condensing that book down to its core Golden Nuggets. I'm bringing the author on the show to have a conversation about the Golden Nuggets, almost always. But I'm here with you every single week, just trying to save you a little bit of time, bring you some information that could spark change in your life, and of course, most importantly, I'm trying to help you build mental toughness and resilience every single week. So what are we talking about this week? This week, we got a doozy. We're talking about my man, Stephen Covey, the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. But now we're talking about his book, The Third Alternative, Solving Life's Most Difficult Problems. And the reason why I love this book so much is because today in our our world, we're so easily outraged today. Everybody's so easily outraged. Everyone is so easily offended and everyone just wants to fight. And, you know, it's this side versus this side. And that's the problem today. It's always your side versus my side, and that's wrong. There's a different approach. It's the third alternative. I think everybody needs to hear this book, and Covey even goes as far to say that this is one of his most remarkable findings. And he says that this might be one of the best things you ever read. And Covey's not somebody to use a lot of hyperbole in his talks. So when Stephen Covey says that, I listen. And again, this man is no longer here, but his philosophies, his, his principles, his teachings, his lessons will live on forever. And I hope that this one in particular really penetrates your mind because it's so important, especially in our world today where everyone's arguing a certain side. Listen, it's not A side versus B side. There is a third alternative. And if you don't know what that is yet, you got to find out what it is. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. So why don't we kick right into this episode with golden nugget number one. Golden nugget number one is all about understanding two alternative thinking. This essentially sets the stage for what reality is today and what we really see is is what happens when we disagree with each other. You have two sides, and these two sides, they compete with one another. So on side one, you have somebody who believes something uh, very important to them. It almost defines who they are. And then on the other side, you have somebody who also has a different opinion. So you might have uh, a liberal versus a conservative, or you might have... um, a Republican or a Democrat, worker against management, lawyer against lawyer, rural versus urban, environmentalist versus somebody who believes in um, developing 
the world. White versus black, religion against science, spouse against spouse, socialists against capitalists, believers against non-believers. Like you have all these different perspectives. And that's what creates so much conflict in our world today. Because the challenge here is that you see your beliefs as your identity. What you believe becomes your identity. And if someone attacks that, then you take instant offense to that. You move on the defensive or you move on the offense and you start to attack them. And the reason that doesn't work today is because somebody's going to come out a winner or a loser. And there's too much conflict. You believe this person's a loser. You believe you're a winner. This person believes the same thing. It's almost impossible to come to a resolution. And while some people say, no, Ryan, it's important to debate our beliefs because it helps to enlighten other people. Yeah, I get it. In, in the perfect world, it does. But not when you believe at your core that you're, a, you're, you're an environmentalist and somebody says, listen, we have to develop this, this, this land. We have to tear down these trees. And this is why. You might understand, but very often we're not such good communicators that allows us to communicate our thoughts in a way that doesn't have a lot of emotion behind it. So this is the problem that we live in today. This is the world we live in, and this is the challenge that we are having. We are having a very difficult time understanding each other. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Another Coveyism from Seven Habits. We have a very difficult time understanding one another. And this is why I believe it's so important for us to understand the third alternative, because this two-alternative method isn't working today. There's too much conflict, too much disagreement, too much hatred, too much fighting. Which is why we need to understand the third alternative. Golden nugget number two, it's all about unsatisfying compromise. The challenge with trying to find compromise is that when you have two competing sides, it's either win or lose, lose, win, and somebody in the middle might say, listen, can't you just compromise? Can't we just have a win-win? Can't we just try to understand one another? The challenge with that is that it doesn't happen. It creates almost a, a distaste in someone's mouth that they have to concede. In their mind, they can't do it. Why? Because that's not what I believe. It's a complete contrast to what I believe. And for me to try to achieve a win-win, I can't do it. And it creates this cynicism towards the other side. There's so much hatred towards the other side. And the funny thing is, your side, your belief, you believe you're right. You believe you're a better person. And you believe that everyone else who agrees with you is also a better person. And anybody who disagrees with you, oh man, they're terrible people. They just don't get it. They're ignorant they don't see what I see. They're foolish. I don't care what side you're on. The other side thinks that of the other side all the time. And so there's this idea that we can find a compromise. You can't find a compromise. Both of those spectrums that I was sharing with you earlier, again, Democrat, Republican, somebody believes in development versus environmentalist, black versus white, that's fueled with, with you know racial beliefs. They see the world at a very different perspective. Again, my Seth Godin says... In uh, All Marketers Are Storytellers or All Marketers Are Liars, he talks a lot about the importance of a worldview. Their worldview does not match the worldview of the person on the other side. So there's no compromise. If you try to compromise, if someone's in the middle trying to be a facilitator, trying to form a compromise, it just doesn't work. It's very unsatisfying. People go away kind of just doing it to appease the other side, to try to make friends, when in reality, nothing changes. That's why it's called the unsatisfying compromise because it's very rare that you're going to find both sides coming to an agreement in the middle. It just doesn't happen. And so the reason why I'm sharing this with you is to show you that 
in case someone says, hey, listen, there can be some sort of compromise. Covey believes that there is no such thing as a satisfying compromise. And it's always called an unsatisfying compromise where you are doing it just for the sake of benefiting the relationship. But you don't truly believe in the compromise. And I agree with that. There are certain things that I believe that someone believes the complete opposite of. If I had to meet in the middle, I would just do it just to kind of satisfy the argument and kind of like, all right, whatever. You know, I'll accept your point of view. And people say, oh, that's a good thing. That's not necessarily a good thing. So this is where, to me, I really am very interested in understanding what's the alternative here? What's the alternative? If there's such contrasting opinions on both sides, and if there's no such thing as a compromise, what is the solution? And that's where it leads us to the third golden nugget. So as you crack into golden nugget number three, we get into the third alternative synergy. So again, golden nugget number one, we're talking about A side versus B side. That's all the conflict that we're seeing today in the world. Then we have golden nugget number two, which is all about trying to find compromise. And this compromise doesn't exist. It's too difficult to find that compromise because we believe so strongly on both sides. So for golden nugget number three, the third alternative synergy. This one requires somebody to ask a very important question, to take themselves out of the emotional hotbed of their beliefs, take themselves out of the discussions, all of the arguments, and to ask a very simple question. Would you be willing to look for a third choice? Something that no one has even thought of yet. That's the third question, or the third alternative, sorry. Would you be willing to look for a third choice? Something that... No one has even thought of yet. Well, at first glance, it seems a little anticlimactic because you might say, well, what? That's, that's the third alternative? I don't get it. The reason why this is important is because this is not manipulative. It's not code for, here's a new way for me to exploit you. No, it's very positive. It's like the synergy that develops among players on a championship team. It's like the V formation of the flying geese when you're flying south or flying north. It's like the sound of all the musical chords blending together in an orchestra. That's what Covey's trying to achieve here. Yes, you have your viewpoint. Yes, I have my viewpoint. Is there a third alternative here that we haven't thought of yet? Can we not open our minds up to think differently? Can we not come up with an alternative that incorporates both. And you might say, well, Ryan, hold on a second. Is that compromise? No, this is higher than compromise. Compromise is just trying to say, listen, isn't there a, a middle ground here? Isn't there some sort of way that we can kind of agree with each other? No, it's not that. It's saying, listen, there's an alternative here that we haven't thought about yet. And we can become innovators of thought if we are able to put our minds together, think collaboratively, and come up with a solution. You know, when you think about like third alternative thinkers, I think about Mahatma Gandhi. I think about Dr. Martin Luther King. I think about the Dalai Lama. Uh, third alternative organizations. You look at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Swiss government, and um, the Iroquois Federation. These people, they don't recognize dilemmas. And in their worldview, every problem has a third alternative. So when I think about the people who are thinking about a third alternative, I'm thinking about innovators. I'm thinking about great thinkers. I'm thinking about people who are productive in their thought and don't allow their own biases, their own prejudices to get the best of them. 
Instead, they have to take themselves back. Kind of drop the ego for a little bit. Help the other person across the table drop their ego. And say, let's do something crazy. Let's do something innovative and come up with a third alternative. Is it hard? Yes, it's hard. But what's the solution? Not ever coming to a solution, just fighting, fighting, fighting. Are we trying to make this world a better place or are we not? Listen, if you just want to argue for the sake of arguing and you just say, listen, I'm right and that's the way it's going to be and I'm happy about that, then go right ahead. Be that person. But you're not making the world a better place. You're just continuing to fuel it with conflict, with aggression, with hatred, with prejudice. And this is why I love Covey's thought. It's a bit of a controversial one, but this is why I love his thought because he's challenging all of us to think more productively, to be better human beings with this third alternative. And I respect Covey so much for challenging our worldviews, challenging our beliefs, and challenging our ability to collaborate together with people who see things differently than us and to work together in harmony. That is a beautiful thing if we're able to achieve it. And it's something I believe all of us should be striving for. So now as we kind of understand a little bit more about the third alternative viewpoint, the third alternative synergy, this is where it gets a little bit complex and where it really requires you to sit and reflect. Covey talks about the new mental paradigms, which is golden nugget number four. And he says in the book, our paradigms and cultural conditioning make up the story of our lives. The challenge is to become a third alternative thinker. You have to rearrange your mental paradigms in four ways. The first one is how I see myself or how you see yourself. Because far too many people, they adopt the stereotypical thinking, the prejudices of their affiliate groups. If you are a feminist, then you adopt the beliefs of your feminist group. If you are a Republican or a Democrat, you adopt the beliefs of them. If you are a student activist, you adopt the viewpoints, the prejudices, the stereotypes of that group. And Covey is saying, separate yourself from that. Look at who you are inside as a person, minus all of that stuff. Who are you as a person? A wife, a father, a brother, a sister, a kind person, an aggressive person, an empathetic person, somebody who is sensitive. Who are you as an individual separate of those beliefs? How hard is that though? That is so hard. But for you to take a step back and to look at who you truly are is so important. That's the first paradigm, how you see yourself or how I see myself. The second paradigm is how I see you. Again, we look at people based on the affiliations they have, the stereotypes they have, the prejudices they have. Don't view people according to their ideas. Don't view them based on their age, their gender, their politics, their religion, their disability, their national origin, their sexual orientation, because stereotyping people robs them of who they truly are underneath all of that. How often do you, let's use something very controversial here. Donald Trump in the United States. If you're a Trump supporter, all of a sudden I look at you in a very specific way. Oh, you're a Trump supporter? Oh, man. How could you? You sexist person. How dare you? You're just ignorant. You don't understand. I hear so much of that. On the other side of things, Trump supporters who look at people who aren't Trump supporters. Oh, you sheep. Make an opinion. Form an opinion of yourself. Stop being so sensitive. 
We get stuff done. You don't like getting stuff done. You're so sensitive. Look at that. Having that one belief can completely shut someone down. You don't even look at who they are as a person. You don't even care because you attach such a strong belief to who they are. And that's what Covey's trying to get you to remove. The second paradigm is how I see you. Remove all of that now. I don't care if you were a supporter of Hillary, if you were a supporter of Trump. It doesn't matter because I'm going to tear that down and I'm going to look at you as an individual. Who are you as an individual? A wife, a mother, a father, a son, somebody who's loving, somebody who's empathetic, a pet lover, a survivor, somebody who's having problems. Get beyond that to see the, the, the true human being underneath. And it's very difficult for us to do because we're very human. We're used to attaching our prejudices to certain people in order for us to understand and make sense of this world. But Covey's challenging us to get away from that. So as we get into golden nugget number five, I want to talk to you about the steps to creating synergy. Because yes, we understand that it's A versus B. There's no such thing as compromise. We understand that the third alternative is there. It's present. We understand that we have to change how we think. But now there's very tactical steps that we need to do in order to execute on the third alternative. And there's four very simple steps. The first thing you have to realize is that this stuff just doesn't happen. You have to be very purposeful about it. You have to be focused. And you have to know the right way to approach it. So you're saying, okay, Ryan, I get it. Earlier, you mentioned that for us to actually execute on this, we have to ask, would you be willing to look for a third choice for something that no one has ever thought about? Yes, that's true. But now let's get into more specifics of it. So the first step, ask the other party across from the table, very similar to how we just asked, are you willing to go for a solution that is better than either one of us has in mind? This way of saying it, it actually eliminates the defensive part of someone's natural response if you say listen we can't come to an agreement here but we got to come up with something so let's come up with something that makes sense that we can both agree on you're not going to get anyone's buy-in that way you're gonna be like get the heck out of here what are you talking about so approach it with this exact wording are you willing to go for a solution that is better than either one of us has in mind that's the first step to approaching it the second step Define the criteria of the best possible win-win solution by asking this question. What would better look like? You're not going to come up with an answer right away. It's going to require you to sit and think. It's going to require you both to walk away. But to walk away with that thought, with asking yourself that question, how powerful is that? Now, the third step is to create a viable third alternative approach. When you come up with this alternative approach, you have to test it out. You have to experiment with it, discuss it, talk about how viable it is. Maybe you want to bring other people in to see what they think about this. Again, we don't hold ourselves back from seeking the opinions of others. We want to seek the opinions of others. Remember the talking stick. Give somebody the talking stick. Sit down and listen. We don't listen enough today, right? We like to listen with the thought of, I'm going to listen to what you're saying so that I can respond. If maybe you have something to respond to, you just can't wait. You're ready to jump all over them. No, just sit and listen. Take it all in. Take notes because that's how we learn. And the last step, step number four, 
arrive at a synergistic solution that works well for everyone involved. This essentially is coming up to your, your final solution. This is the solution we have. All the hard work comes on one, two, and three. The four is essentially coming to an agreement on it. Now, when I use the term innovation of thought, this is what I mean. Innovation is not easy. This stuff is not easy. It's very difficult. Who said coming up with a new product or a new service or a new offering was easy? Nobody. I know better than most. I worked with the um, director of, um, of, of product invention at Procter & Gamble. Or what was it? Uh, the chief product inventor at Procter & Gamble. Where they say on average you touch you know, between 9 and 10 products that he created himself. I worked with that guy. He taught me his system in terms of how to create new products and new services. And man, it's tough. It takes a lot of brain power. It takes a lot of commitment, a lot of thinking, a lot of focus, a lot of diverse opinions. Not just your brain. Your brain isn't good enough. And that's one thing you'll learn when you're trying to create new products and services. Your brain is never good enough. You need diversity of thinking. You need your brain, your customer's brain, competitor's brains, subject matter experts' brains, you need people on the other side of the world from unrelated industries' brains, like unrelated even, even companies. You need patents. You need a whole bunch of information in order for you to come up with a new product. So exactly the same way here. Innovation of thought really comes down to four steps. Are you willing to go for a solution that is better than either of us has in mind? You need commitment from somebody on the other side to come up with a better solution. Step two, you need to define the criteria of the best possible win-win solution by asking, what would better look like? What does better look like? Let's define what that looks like. The third step is coming up with ideas. Now this is where you seek ideas, you seek thoughts, you have debates. You're allowed to have some conflict as long as if you trust each other. Create a viable third alternative through experimentation. This is where you come up with different ideas. This idea might work, this idea might not work, but we're going to come up with ideas regardless. And the final step, of course, arrive at a synergistic solution that works well for everyone involved. This is exactly how we come up with new products and services. We get a whole bunch of people in the room, somebody from finance, somebody from admin, somebody from marketing, somebody from sales, somebody from engineering, somebody off the street, a customer. And then we ask them for different solutions. We First off, we look for different opinions, different thoughts. Then we get them all to come up with solutions together. And then as we come up with solutions together, we decide on an alternative. Innovation of thought. It's the exact same way as you kind of innovate with new products and services. I love this. And this one resonated with me. So again, today let's make it something real. You know, you look at a guy like Jordan Peterson, who I might have on the show. I haven't decided yet whether or not I want to have him on the show. I don't know if it necessarily fits all that well with our new theme, but if it does, I'll make it work. Jordan Peterson is a very polarizing figure where people either love him or they hate him. And they become very polarizing with their opinions. Jordan Peterson is right. I love him. Or I hate him. He's a terrible person. There's an exercise for you. If you're on one side, do you know anybody on the other side? Can you guys test this out? Can you form synergy of thought? Can you try to have innovation of thought happen here? It's a challenge that I'm going to put towards you. Because I go on YouTube and... I see on Twitter, a lot of people either agree with him strongly or they disagree with him strongly. Is there a third alternative? There is. Are you the one to come up with that third alternative? Because if you are, you have the potential to make this world a far, far more beautiful place. All right, for the last golden nugget here, I really want to talk about the third alternative being put into action in your life. 
if it's at work, for example, there's always conflict at work. My side versus your side, my strategy versus your strategy. Be the person who takes it up a notch, raises the conversation and says, listen, we can't come to an agreement. Is there a third alternative that we can, we can agree on? Not a compromise, but is there a third alternative, a third solution? Not my solution, not your solution, but a third solution. And put them through the process. It requires you to drop your ego. It requires the other person to drop their ego. But you can be the first person to stimulate that thought. You have to do it in a very calm manner. You can't just go into it aggressively. And I would even encourage you to, to share this book with them. Share this episode with them if you're having a disagreement. And ask them to find the third alternative. At home, if you're arguing with your spouse, again, your spouse, my opinion, this is the way I look at it, I'm right, you're wrong. This is my opinion, you're, I'm right, you're wrong. The really cool thing here is that if you have kids, your kids are a walking, talking third alternative. Where it doesn't matter what you both think. When you look at your child, you say, okay, like, what can we do here? What can we do to come up with a solution that doesn't tear this family apart? And you look at that child and that child almost acts as a source of inspiration for you to find that third alternative. I love that. It happens in school. In school, really good teachers, really good instructors, professors, they challenge their students to not look at things so clear cut. Don't look at things like A versus B. Look for a different alternative. Think critically about the problem. That's what good instructors, good teachers, good professors should do. Encourage their students to think critically. Look for that third alternative. And in reality, you might be asking me, Ryan, what does this have to do with resilience? What does this have to do with building mental toughness? It's everything. If you can't disconnect yourself from your pride, from your opinions, from your anger, from your frustration, to find a solution to a problem, to approach problem solving in a more constructive manner, then you're going to have a really difficult time getting through life. You're going to have a very difficult time trying to create your eight. Especially if you're always in conflict with somebody. If you're always trying to beat somebody up and you're trying to get your opinion across and that's how you do it, you're always going to upset somebody. You're always going to be in a state of anger, of frustration, of always trying to be aggressive, trying to get your opinion across. No, look for the third alternative. And I took a lot of notes here on this piece because it's just so important. So I got to read it here. When you run into difficult roadblocks, as most people will, maintain your strong character and mental serenity. To find the inner strength, you need to conceptualize, develop and implement third alternative solutions to your problems. Strive to escape the prison of your pride. What a phrase. You don't have to be right all the time. Accept responsibility. Quickly offer apologies to those you hurt and extend forgiveness to those who hurt you. And he goes on, keep your promises, take occasional walks in nature to free your mind from worldly cares, read, read, and read some more in order to learn from others and discover new insights. That's why you're here listening to me. Include sacred literature in your readings, meditate about the profound thoughts you study, maintain a nutritious diet, exercise regularly, get the sleep you need, reserve quiet time to think and pray, show love for those around you. Thank people for their kindness. Be generous. Smile. Don't be a big mouth. Instead, listen carefully to others. You are a unique individual. 
dedicate yourself to helping others win big in their lives. And when things don't work out, take a break, clear your mind and try again. All of this, your goal is to achieve win-win in all of your dealings. This is what Covey's after. And if you follow this philosophy, if you follow what I just read there, that is exactly how you create your eight. That is exactly how you develop resilience. That's exactly how you develop mental toughness. This third alternative has so much power to it. And it's a shame that I just found this recently. But now that we know it, I know it, you know it, let's use it to our advantage to create more win-win solutions and to make this world a better place. Right, there we have it. That is the third alternative, Solving Life's Most Difficult Problems by Stephen Covey. And I love Stephen Covey's work. I know you do too. He was one of our world's greatest minds and he always gave us such great stimulus to help us become better individuals, better human beings. And as I continue my path to create my eight, as you continue your path to create your eight, the third alternative is a weapon that we can definitely use to help us get through guilt, get through anger, get through frustration, and help us find a win-win solution. We don't always have to be in conflict. We don't always have to strive to find some sort of compromise and agree to disagree. We can be innovators of thought by using the third alternative to come up with solutions that maybe never existed before for us. And that, man, I don't know what's more empowering than that. So thank you again for tuning in again this week. If you love this episode, then please go online, especially if you're listening on Apple device. Go to podcasts, go to shows, go to the Cut the Crap Show, scroll up and give this a rating and a review. It means so much to me if you do that. And I see a whole bunch of them coming through. So thank you to all of you who are doing that. It means a lot to me. And when you do, just send me a quick email. Send me a quick message online and uh, let me know that you did that. It's just great so I can know who's actually taking the time out of their day to do that for me. It means a lot. Uh, If you want to connect with me online, again, go to LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram. Look up Ryan Caligiuri. You'll find me on there. I'm everywhere. And last but not least, if you want to support me, if you want to support the show, then go to thecutthecrapshow.com. You can support me through Patreon. The big red button there, you click it. On the very left-hand side, there's a $5 a month option. And that essentially is something I take very seriously. And I'm so grateful for all of you who do donate that. And to some people, it's it's not that much money. But to me, that's, that's a commitment. And I, I absolutely love that. All we're trying to do here is trying to make this world a better place with new information, trying to become better people, helping us create our aid. And that small little gesture of $5 means a lot to me. It fills my heart up with gratitude and helps me create my aid. But then it can help other people create their aid as well as I donate this money to worthy causes that require, you know, or that need a little bit more, more funding, a little bit more assistance, a little bit more help. So together, all of us in this community of the Cut the Crap Show, we're doing our part to make this world a better place. And that to me is everything absolutely everything so thank you to every single one of you for tuning in every single week for sharing this show for spending time online giving me your your feedback providing me with comments sending me videos my life is so much so much more rich because of all of you and because of this show so let's keep that up okay So until next week, my friends, I will be back here with a brand new book, brand new Golden Nuggets, an interview with an author. And of course, you know what I'm doing here every single week. I'm trying to save you a little bit of time, bring you some information that can spark change in your life and helping you build mental toughness and resilience. 
Have a fantastic, productive, inspired week, everybody. I love you all. Everybody's got these stupid barriers they put in their own head. You got to resist those goddamn things because they don't do you any good and they certainly define the potential for your future in a negative way that's not self-serving and it's not even real. This idea that there's no way to get past the starting block today is just ludicrous. It's crazy. And it's just this, this poor thinking. And people that are trapped in bad situations one of the problems is you feel like this is your future. You feel like you're fucked and you can't get out of that. There's no hope. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's no rainbow. And if you feel like that, that alone can be incredibly defining and limiting. But if you look at yourself objectively and say, okay, I kind of am fucked here. I'm in credit card debt. I'm working in a shitty job. I, I, I don't like what I'm doing, but I have some ideas. I need to feed those fucking ideas. I need to feed them and water them, and I need to set aside a certain amount of time every day to just try to make those things happen. You can do that. I think here's an important thing too. I think failure teaches you things that you don't learn from success. I think failure gives you an opportunity for self-examination and also gives you a feeling that is very uncomfortable. And that very uncomfortable feeling helps you grow. And don't look at these failures as like proof that you suck. Look at them as opportunities for growth. Look at them as opportunities to be motivated to do better. If you look at someone who's doing really well, like say if you focus on like Kevin Hart or someone like that, some very famous and successful comedian, all you see is him now flying around private jets, wearing a new pair of sneakers every day, driving around in Bentleys. You just see that. You don't see him being a young kid in Philadelphia going to open mic nights. There's a, there's a progression that you're not witness to. You don't see it. And that takes place in everything. It takes place in authors. It takes place in comedians and musicians. There is a starting point, and then with time and focus, and as long as you reevaluate and reassess and constantly, objectively look at what you're doing and then pursue it with passion and focus, you get better at things. There's always going to be people that are luckier than you. Some of it is luck, and some of it is courage. Some of it is putting your ass out there. Some of it is trying things. One of the things that I always like to tell people that I think you should do is do shit that's difficult. It's very important to struggle. We have been fed this line of horseshit that you're supposed to seek comfort, and I don't think you are. I think you're supposed to seek lessons, and you're supposed to seek difficult tasks and accomplishments, and through those things, and through doing things that are hard to do, even if it's just a fucking 90-minute hot yoga class, this life doesn't have enough of that. There's not enough struggle. You don't get to know yourself without struggle. You don't get to know your boundaries unless you push them. You don't get to know who you are really unless you're tested.